This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know this that I know. This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, I know that I know. What's up everybody, welcome back to the Solve for Why podcast. Uh, this is gonna be a new series that we're working on, an interview series, so I hope you guys enjoy. Our first guest is going to be uh, Dr. Jonathan Edwards. He's been uh, my personal doctor for the better part of six years now. I think we're going on eight plus. Yeah. If I, remember, if I look back at my records. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. probably eight or nine. I tore my ACL yeah, yeah. in 2012, yep. and I think that it was shortly thereafter. Uh, so your background is medical doctor, anesthesiologist. Yes. Uh, you kind of transitioned a little bit off of that into the sports optimization performance realm, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a, it's a good way to put it. Okay. Uh, I guess like, let's start there. Tell me a little bit. Cause this, this is like, first of all, what drew me to you? Um, not that I'm an athlete, but I have the athlete mentality. So like I carry that optimization through right into adulthood. Uh, I guess like, tell me how you go from putting people to sleep and ensuring they're not in pain during surgery to kind of like optimizing the body. And that's uh, that's best answered uh, starting from my background. So, okay. you know, I come from a professional sports uh, background. I used to race professional motocross, you know, aspiring young motocross racer, uh, basically broke enough bones uh, to the point, you know, I, I had to make a decision, kind of found out by chance, I was good at school. You know, I never took the SATs or ACTs, anything. I just went to community college and started doing well. Mm. And then, uh, then I decided there that um, if I couldn't make it in professional sports, I would do something professional. Okay. So then I went from quit motocross, community college, went to UC Davis for physiology. Then I went to medical school. Uh, and then from there, I did uh, internal medicine, sports medicine, neurology here in France, anesthesia for three years. And then, then I was a full-fledged um, anesthesiologist. And, but to back up and answer the question, you know, I'm a medical doctor at my base, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm always studying. And, you know, as long as you go to medical school, you can, you can grasp the ideas, you know, that, that surround sports optimization whether it be you know diet hormones health that kind of thing so that's how guys like me and, and others from other specialties branch off and you know a good example is like a gynecologist doing hormone therapy you know it's mm -hmm. very very common from my understanding of it uh, you know I've, I've been fortunate enough to like brush elbows with a lot of doctors and lawyers playing high stakes yeah and from my understanding of it is you get the general medical background and then you're kind of forced into a specialty of some sort. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and those who don't choose a specialty will be a general practitioner or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. Yep. So it, it, though you have a title of anesthesiologist, it's not like it's that far of a reach. Yeah, no, I'm not stuck to anesthesia. And, you know, and a lot of things we do in sports optimization or general health optimization is, is very well versed in anesthesia. You know, for one, I see every medical specialty you know you name it gynecology surgery oncology um urology um orthopedic surgery um neurosurgery so you know we get there, there's so much there that you know we get a well-rounded medical e exposure so to speak mm -hmm. and then you know you go to school for 15 years right you, you learn how to study if you want to learn something there there's no doubt you've gone to school taken 7,000 exams. I've read hundreds of books. I mean, cover to cover. Yeah. You know, you, you know how to read journal studies, you know, and statistics and all this kind of stuff. And so you put all that together. If you want to, if you, if you want to be a, you know, sports optimization, health optimization, whatever in life, you know, medical school prepares you for that, you know, hands down. Where does that leave you now in the current state of COVID? Because I know personally, I come to you for pretty much everything. Yeah. Uh, and I feel comfortable with that because again, like I, I think that, you know, when you have that medical background, the, the quote unquote specialty is just the next step. You yes. Know? Uh, so for instance, uh, I had an issue where um, my urine stream was seemingly a little bit 
blocked or, or weak, yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't come to you for an answer necessarily, but it's more so like I need advice. Yeah. And you're like, well, if it's bad, go to the urologist. Yeah. And that makes sense to me. So like now what does your practice look like during COVID? Because I'm sure that there's a lot of general practitioner stuff that you can kind of handle. I was able to get away from the hospital scene and now I just work in some surgery centers. So about, you know, 50% of my practice is maybe surgery center anesthesia. And, and I'd say the other half is, you know, basically, you know, my, what we'll call it my, you know, elite health optimization practice. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I'm the chief medical director for a company called Vanguard Integrity Systems, um, and basically taking care of all those employees, plus the CEO and the president and all those kind of things, you know, the same things I do, you know, that we do with each other, Yeah. you know, and I find myself doing this over and over again. Um, and that's, that's where I'm, so I'd say I'm up 50, 50 right now. And it's a, it's a great practice balance. Um, I've, in, I've enjoyed it immensely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess as a, a qualified professional, like what's your take on the, the, the whole COVID outbreak and like where we're at now? Because I know as a lay person, I'm constantly just coming through data and, you know, get, especially given that I have a poker background, I'm going to lean into as much statistical analysis as possible. Mm -hmm. But it seems like, you know, our collecting, our, our, our collection methods, as is true in most uh, epidemiology studies, yeah. pretty flawed. So, uh, you know, we're constantly getting fed new things. It's like wear a mask, don't wear a mask, social distance. It's oh. not working. Like, I don't necessarily know that any of us know where we're currently at. And I guess I'm curious, like from your perspective, as well as your experience thus far, like treating people, like what do you see the development being? That's, uh, yeah, that there's so, <laughs> so many things to unpack there. And, you know, we don't have the, we're not going to be able to do all of that here, but, sure. um, we're definitely at a point where, you know, it's changing directions. You know, we, Europe seems to be in a second wave, you know, United States is as well, although they don't call it that here. It's right. kind of interesting, you know, with all the political things and, you know, and I follow it as much as anybody, you know, I read the studies. Um, but what I would say, um, is, you know, the, one of the biggest things is, you know, good ventilation, being outside, and your chances of catching it are pretty slim. Mm -hmm. You know, masks, no masks. Who, who really knows? Yeah, yeah. studies do support it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and you can't argue that. But you know, they're not they're not the greatest studies. Um, you know, and so it's it's hard to know where to place your thing on that. You know, your where you should really stand on that issue. Uh, I think wearing masks for people is it's an action that we take and i think we feel better because of that it's, it's kind of like pascal's wager right yeah where it's just like uh there's no harm in believing that it works exactly yeah and that's how i feel about it you know i was like okay i'll wear a mask you know i wear a mask all the time in the operating room yeah um you know but you know they wore masks in spain and uh they have one of the highest rates still you know mm -hmm. uh even you know from february and then you know and and people wear masks in Asia and the rates are still pretty, you know, they're, they're less there. Yeah. And so is it really a cultural thing? You know, right. Spaniards are very close. They, you know, they kiss each other, mm -hmm. you know, everything's close there. Human contact is close, you know, where Japan and parts of Asia, you know, they're a little more, um, stand, not standoffish, like but, but they're, yeah. they're separate anyway mm -hmm. from a cultural standpoint. Right. You know, so is that, what's really explaining the whole mask thing, you know, cause everybody's wearing masks, but yeah. it's still spiking. Yeah. And I mean, you, you know, know, we, we don't know how the data is being collected or reported. We don't right. know how much is being withheld, et cetera. But, uh, you know, we kind of spoke a little bit off air yeah. as far as like preventative measures and you were kind of mentoring oh. metabolic health. Metabolic health is where it's at, man. So, um, as I was explaining to you, my, the best way to explain this, you know, I actually had two patients, mm -hmm. similar COVID patients, uh, that I helped, you know, I wasn't their direct doctor and you'll see for reasons why. So two gentlemen, uh, two males, both, uh, 150, 151, uh, both obese, both diabetic, both hypertensive, both former athletes, uh, both high stress jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we'll go 
One of them is a police officer and he got bariatric surgery uh, mid-March and he did really well. You know, he lost weight uh, and then he came, you know, it came to me for some optimization. You know, we put him on, he was on uh, hormone treatment before that. So we, you know, we measured his lab values, put him on an appropriate dose to keep him in physiologic range. He, he got on the peptides, thymus and alpha, which helps the immune system. He got on a um, sermorelin or ipamorelin, one of those two. Uh, you know, kind of for growth hormone op- optimization, and then he um, and he did intravenous vitamins every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, religiously, the the guy just wanted to get his health back. Yeah, uh, and and he did, and so he he's doing great. And then the other gentleman, high stress commercial real estate, always has kind of let his health go into you know just kind of going with it and he'll do dabble in some things and not really take it serious. Uh, that's my experience, uh, with this gentleman and he gets COVID and calls me and I, and he's already had shortness of breath. He has some symptoms, you know, fevers, he's isolating himself. His, his primary care doctor just told him to go home and rest and wait it out. Yeah. And I, and I, I couldn't have disagreed with that more, you know, I was, I told him right away, you need to fix your metabolic health. You know, you, you need to, whatever you're doing right now, you know, nose to day, nose to tail, nutrient dense diet and water. That's it. Nothing else. Yeah. As far as, you know, food that goes in his mouth and bone broth, all that kind of stuff. Then I told him, you know, you need a CPAP machine. You need a, an oxygen concentrator. You know, you need, you know, follow the other doctor's recommendations, like with a Z-Pack, hydroxychloroquine, dexamethasone. And then I recommended like the thymus and alpha, some more, you know, the somorlin, uh, and also intravenous vitamins or at least injectable vitamins. Mm-hmm. And he, and he just kind of blew it all off. And, uh, long story short, the real estate guy, one week later, he comes to me, oh, maybe I should get all that stuff. And, you know, because he's getting a little worse. And yeah. and then he, um, two days later, bam, he has to go to the hospital. Uh, full full invasive uh, ventilator with a CPAP mask. Uh, they came very close to intubating him. And he got all the IV drugs, the remitosphere. The, and then finally he got the experimental plasma treatment. And that saved his life. Wow. And, and he... He said to me word for word, he, he said it was, he was thinking of dr- vividly thinking about our conversation as the whole thing was going. Yeah. Like, what if he would have done this? Yeah. You know, it's not to say that it wouldn't happen anyway, but sure. that you're taking action. It's about being proactive. Yeah. And, and you know, and that's what it's about. And anyway, so he, he nearly lost his life, but he's yeah. doing, gr- but the, you know, and so let's go back to the other guy who had the police officer, um, he had COVID with nine of her, nine of his uh, colleagues who all kind of did, you know, they did so-so. They had some of them had to be hospitalized. He was asymptomatic. Wow. Nothing in. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it was just the most vivid example of metabolic health and what it could do for you. And it was it, it was awesome to see, you know. And and thank goodness, you know, both guys, you know, are doing great. And, yeah. You know, that's the main thing. Um, but man, metabolic health is, this is where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's an antidote. It's only, it's only one case each, but it is, you know, sort of a proof of a hypothesis, at least on a a small scale. Uh, and you you said a lot of words there that (laughs) I, I'm on a similar regimen and I'm still not even sure which one's which. So, okay, let's uh, unpack it a little bit. Yeah. I think, I think we can dig into that a little bit. Um, but before we jump into uh, like the, the full-blown, uh, I guess, like supplementation and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, let's start a little bit more basic with things that people can just implement right away. I, I think like diet is always yeah. first and foremost, right? Yeah. yeah. Whatever you're doing, I mean, just stop eating things out of packages and cans. And I mean, if you just did those things, it's 90% of the battle. Yeah. You know, I don't care who you talk to. You talk to like, you know, the some, you know carnivore specialist to a vegan specialist it doesn't it, the message is all the same 90 percent of improving your metabolic health is to stop eating things out of boxes yeah cans and packages yeah, yeah. that's it right i guess to that end i, I do kind of want to like unpack those options mm-hmm. a little bit so 
obviously when you mention like a carnivore diet which is strictly eating meat mm -hmm. and it is as you kind of mentioned knows the tail so it's a lot of organ meat consumption yep. things like that all the way to a vegan diet which is like almost strictly eating vegetables yeah we're, we're talking about a spectrum of elimination diets right. right you're effectively eliminating something and dead smack in the middle is just a whole foods diet yep. where you're consuming from both sides but again you are still eliminating something which is processed foods yes uh so i, I guess like do you subscribe to any one specific i know that like We've spoken about this in the past. Uh, I've done the keto diet. I had a lot of success with it. I've also done a whole foods diet. Yeah. Uh, I've had a lot of success with that too. So I, I guess like from a performance standpoint, is there one that you feel does better than others? Do you feel like perhaps maybe dependent upon your body type, you'll lean a little bit more one way or the other? Well, I think, you know, to make it relevant to, you know, yourself and, you know, the people listening to this podcast, you know, uh, optimizing your your mental focus mm -hmm. has a lot to do with being in we'll, we'll say nutritional ketosis yep you know mm -hmm. and that is easier to do on you know we'll say a ketogenic kind of animal-based diet mm -hmm. you know with some vegetables and meat and you know water and that yeah. kind of thing um and that's you know producing the ketones allows you to be comfortable with fasting you know, and as you got, you guys sit for hours and hours, you know, and you're just there, you know, looking at cards and tables, thinking about statistics and, you know, um, so anyway, producing ketones, being in that state, I think is really important. So, you know, I, I'd have to say that answer is individual. So when yeah. I look at, you know, you, you, what you do, that's how, that's right, how I approach runner. you. If you're a marathon runner, it's completely different, Yeah. you know, but at the base of it, you know, there's always a uh, a period where you just want to get your metabolic health to a certain point, you know, what we call, you know, carbohydrate tolerance or, mm -hmm. you know, your, your, most people are insulin resistant, you know, not quite diabetic, but you know, anyway, you get your insulin, you know, low and you learn to fast and yeah, and, just and to, then the rest just of it of falls like, in place. Yeah, yeah. Just to kind of make people understand too, insulin resistance is the point where, you're consuming so much processed food or sugar or whatever that your insulin levels tend to spike and you need to consume more and yeah. more in order to maintain a, a baseline level. Absolutely. But, you know, but let's also make the point there. Insulin resistance can happen with fruit. Sure. No, I mean, fresh fruit all day long, you know, like if you're a fruitarian it, or that's the extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would imagine yeah. it would almost take an extreme thing like yeah. that unless you're pre-diabetic or, or something. To that yeah. Nature. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen, you know, uh, see, I, your, point, your point's people. valid though. Like if you're consuming shit food and then you're eating, yeah. uh, you know, some sweet fruit on the side to make yourself feel like you're healthy, you're probably compounding the issue in a you're lot of ways. You're compounding the issue. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think all this is really important because, uh, you know, personally, like I cycle my diets based on how I'm training and yep. what my biggest emphasis is. So there are periods throughout the year where I'm playing a whole lot more poker than I'm doing anything else. Yeah. And I try to work it out such that uh, during those time frames, I'm eating a ketogenic diet yeah. and I'm more in a maintenance phase with my training. So I'm, I'm not really trying to add muscle. I'm just trying to sustain what I have. Yeah. Maybe even lean which, out a little bit. Which you've done awesome at over the years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, like I, f I feel really great, all things considered, uh, from where I started to, to now. Right. And, you know, it's, it's not easy once you start pushing 40 right it, it gets a lot more challenging to obviously it gets challenging to add muscle but it's it's yeah. it's still equally difficult just to maintain yeah you're and what i've been most impressed you know with you is i mean you you eat one time a day most of you know i mean yeah for long as i've known you or at least i mean you weren't like that when we first met and then you kind of worked into it and then finally it was yeah you were eating one time a day all the time yeah you and know. I think that fasting is is kind of like what I want to touch on. So when I am doing keto, it's because I'm playing a lot of poker. Yep. And uh, I, I guess before I give my own personal experience, could, could you kind of speak to like why people shouldn't be afraid to be fasted and doing a brain intensive activity? Because I think a lot of people are of the assumption that like the brain, quote unquote, needs fuel. And oh. the idea of like playing yeah, hungry yeah. Right. is just going to lead you down a, a very desperate emotional path that's going to have you not thinking clearly. So yeah, if if you are carbohydrate intolerant or insulin resistant, plain hungry will lead you down to a bad path. Mm -hmm. uh, if you are, if your if your insulin's perfect, you know, and you can, you know, and your 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 metabolism is in check, um, 
you fast and your your body's main part of the energy comes from fats and you have about every one of us even as skin you know skinny as i am or or anybody has about 80 to 100,000 calories of fat to burn and if you can tap into that um your brain doesn't need glucose all the time mm-hmm. and you know there's been some really good studies um uh, on this that your brain can actually subsist on you know 70% fat and you know ketones and 30% glucose well if you can get to that you, you know you can you can you can not eat for 12 hours and be mentally focused fine no hunger pains and healthy playing poker all day long yeah and that's why we're talking about nutritional ketosis yes. not uh, right uh, is it diabetic ketosis or yeah I, I di- so yeah that. the two di- the differences is like diabetic ketosis diabetic ketoacidosis mm-hmm. means you have a lot of ketones in your blood uh you're not making insulin uh, at a proper level it means like your body's on fire right nutritional ketosis is nice controlled fireplace right producing the heat it should in your body and it's a natural state yeah so you're talking ketoacidosis and nutritional ketosis are two opposing phenomena right uh yeah and in my personal experience like i've had a tremendous amount of success with this um i think it was about a year and a half ago or so maybe it was a year ago i can't recall but i I traveled to the bahamas Hmm. uh and it was a long grueling trip i think it was like eight hours and anytime i fly no matter what I do an extended fast because it's just easy, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're switching time zones. You're probably going to fall asleep at uh, weird hours, sometimes yeah, yeah. early, whatever the case may be. You're also losing all that time in the air. Uh, and if you wake up early and fly, you you almost always lose a full day. Yeah. So I think we left here at like 11 a.m. We got there at like maybe 7 or 8 p.m. Uh, East Coast time. And I hadn't eaten since like 5 p.m. the day prior. So I get there, uh, it's it's evening, I'm not far away from going to bed. I believe there was like a Monday night football game. I watched it, had a good time, went to sleep. So now I wake up the following day and it's time to play and I'm pushing a 33 hour fast or so. Yep. And I was just kind of like, you know, I feel really good. Uh, I'm on the road, eating's a struggle anyway. I'm about to play this $25,000 buy-in tournament and I just like feel so locked in when I'm in nutritional ketosis. So I tested... I, I believe I was like 1.9 mol- millimolar. Yeah, mm-hmm. millimolar. Um, good enough for nutritional ketosis. Absolutely. And I'm just like, okay, like let, let's 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 make this uh, an extended fast. Like I'm gonna try to go 50 plus hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, play day one, finish top three in chips, come home or like come back to my hotel room, just feel great. Like no desire to eat whatsoever. I'm basically living off of water and caffeine, and yep. feel really great about it. Go to sleep, wake up the next morning, no hunger at all. I'm like, okay, I'm going to play. End up getting a little bit unlucky. I finished like 14th in the event for uh, 80,000 or so. But I didn't, you know, I busted the tournament at 10 o'clock the next day. I think I was somewhere in the neighborhood of like a 62-hour fast. And I still didn't want to eat. So I just went to sleep. I just went to sleep, woke up the next day and, you know, refed myself gradually with some bone broth and some light things. Went to the next tournament. uh, Went super deep in that too. So even though I started refeeding, I'm still in ketosis. Oh yeah, right. It's like I'm I'm consuming Absolutely. bone broth. I'm consuming lean yep. meats, some eggs, some butter, uh, and that ended up being like a super prosperous trip. And I know it's kind of anecdotal in nature, but I can point to a ton of examples like that over the last three or four years where I've experimented with cycling uh, keto. Yeah, as opposed to times where I've gone on dinner break and just like you know had the bread that they give you while you're waiting because I'm starving. Oh, and you know, you know, maybe yeah, consume yeah. some fries because they don't have other sides to offer. Yep. Whatever the case, got a bun on my burger, anything. Anything that's like just going to give me that little bit of an insulin spike and how sluggish I felt that second half of the event. And, you know, just misery. So uh, I do think that there's a lot to be said about being mindful and open to like all these different diet types. Yep. Where I think a lot of people get it wrong is the sustainability. So you kind of mentioned I only eat once a day. Yeah. And that's a byproduct of all this fasting. The yep. the more you do, the the better you just get at it. Yes. And the more efficient you become. Um, so I guess 
I'm kind of rambling on my own at no, this point. No, you're doing but, great. This is. <laughs> but uh, I need to hear this. Yeah, I think that like you know this is where the 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 if you want to call it like the physical trainers yeah. and the dietitians they don't communicate with one another, right? <laughs> it's like if I if I'm going to the gym and I'm trying to pack on muscle and it's bulking season, right? I can't go to my dietitian and say like I want to lose weight, right? It just doesn't add up. And I think people hear diet and they think like short term, yeah. Where like yeah, yeah. I think cycles, right? Just like training. It's like, I know I'm going to lift weights for 12 months out of the year. And I know I'm going to eat food for 12 months out of the year. Yeah. Why sh Why wouldn't I just block it off by quarter mm. and figure out like what my goals are in a line? Uh, do you kind of like subscribe to something comparable or? Oh, I mean, for what you, uh, it, it depends on what sport now. Yeah. You know, for, for, for how you just explained it, you can't do it better. Yeah. Um, you know, the learning to fast that long just frees you from from the the necessity to ever have to take the time to eat. Oh, the decision fatigue of trying to figure out what right. you want every day when you're making four, five, six meals. Yeah, it's and then, so much. And, and you know, and you guys, and, and like I said before, you guys are sitting there so long, and you need to be focused. Mm -hmm. And then when you do take a little caffeine, it works. You know, like ten x. Oh yeah. You know, and yeah. then and then on top of that, you know, you can take uh, you know ketone drinks. Yep. You know, like we just had before, mm -hmm. you know, before the uh, pod the podcast started, you know. Yeah, it, tell me a little bit about this. So uh, I, I know a lot about the, um, you know, exogenous ketones. Uh, you've given me some yep. that you actually create. Yep. Why is there salt in here? What, what's ketone salt? All right. So let's, we're still on the subject of ketosis, but now we're on the subject of exogenous ketones or say ketones that we take, you know, by mouth from, yeah. a, from a food source. So, you know, this, this product here is, is from ketone A. There's a, there's a couple others that make it. Um, this is a ketone ester plus a ketone salt. Mm -hmm. So I'll go into ketone salts first. And those are just kind of like, you know, think of like sodium connected to uh, beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is a ketone. Okay. So it's just that. It's just, you could have magnesium BHB. You could have sodium BHB and so on. Okay, so the BHB is effectively the manufactured ketone. Yes, that we're the BHB is, you know, your body produces BHB, mm -hmm. beta-hydroxybutyrate, and you can also take it manufactured. Okay. You know, through chemistry, basically, you make these things. Right. Um, so these things can create a blood level, and you will create ketones. Okay. And, your, and your brain will do subsist on Even them. if you're not in nutritional ketosis. With the salts, it's harder, but the um, with the esters now, that's the thought is that if you take these, even when you're not in nutritional ketosis, they can help. Okay. You know, the so the esters are obviously, it's a different chemical structure, but they're much, much more potent mm -hmm. at creating ketosis. Yeah. And they, and they were, they were designed actually in the DARPA contest, you know, to make the super soldiers. Mm -hmm. They were they were designed basically to to allow a soldier to you know be out there for days at a time you know thirty six plus hours and not have to eat right that's I mean that's how that's where this stuff is coming from and so this stuff's like working best when you're fasted correct yeah it, it kind of really gets undone works. a little bit if you yes. start consuming carbohydrates or something yes effect. absolutely okay yeah so and you know you can't you can't go from like you know eating fries burgers cheetos and you know take a couple right ketone ester drinks and expect much yeah, you know yeah. I, yeah. they you know they try to tell you you can't but that's not the reality the reality is is you know if you're if you're kind of metabolically fit you've done your homework they're going to help you yeah, I, I think that's a really important qualifier is that when we're talking about optimization, yeah. we're almost always talking about that last 10 to 15%. Right. Right. It's like you have to get yourself to a stable level of health and fitness and nutrition before you can suddenly start looking into the, the, the next level type of stuff. Right. Yeah, you just got to get out of the mindset. It's, you know, I can just take, take a, you know, a pill or something to get me a result. And it's just, it's just not the case. There's still, you got to do your homework like, you know, like you've done. Yeah. So I guess let's talk about that a little bit because when I first came to you, uh, it actually may have been right around when I tore my ACL, maybe even slightly before because I forgot it. I didn't come to you for the injury initially. Mm -mm. I came to you because I tested like off the charts for low testosterone. Yes. And I was like 30, 31 years old, something of that effect. Right. Uh, and I think my number came back on the blood test at like 135, which I had knew nothing at that point, right? And the clinic that I got tested at said I was average. 
But what I found out later is that uh, the way clinics determine like what the scale is, is based on the, the clients they see. So it's they the only population. take their own, yeah, they only take their own aggregate ga- data. And if you just go to a place where like they're mostly testing old people, then, you know, 135 might appear to be like on the spectrum of reasonable. Yeah, I can't, you were really low. I mean, that's, no, that's not normal at all. Right. But, um, yeah, and I, and then re- remind me, were you, you weren't taking any hormones before Nothing. That? I was taking nothing. And you suggested yeah. I go see, uh, an epidemiologist. A- endocrinologist. Or an endocrinologist, rather. Yeah. Uh, went to him. He obviously immediately recommends synthetic testosterone. Yep. And I was like adamantly against that. Um, the research I had done is just like, you know, you don't really ever wean off of that. You're kind of just telling your body like, Hey, we yep. got this with a, with a synthetic product for the rest of your life. Yep. And that just seemed too unsustainable to me. Also, I was just, in my opinion, like too young. Oh, so yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. So what we did with you is basically, you know, take an approach to where we don't have to use testosterone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, first thing was, you know, obviously the getting you metabolically healthy and mostly, you know, getting, you know, ketogenic diet, fasting, mostly meat, uh, animal products, but you know, nose to tail, very important. And the diet helped a lot. Uh, relatively speaking, I think it got me into like the high two hundreds, low three hundreds, still very low for my age bracket. Yep. And then, and then we, uh, you know, and then by putting you on something to stimulate your testes, uh, called, uh, HCG, mm-hmm. uh, that helped you increase your testosterone just that little bit. And, and I remember you cycled on and off of that. Yep. And then, and then after that, you know, and then I think, um, and then you did some growth hormone type secretagogues, um, just to help that part of it. And, and after some months, I mean, your testosterone got right back up to normal. Yeah. It's like the physiologic range, like, you know, well in the 600s and even above sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I think over the last seven years since we started, uh, I've ranged somewhere between like 630-ish and uh, I think maybe as high as like 780. Yep. Um, Which I got to tell you, the difference in my personal health was like this feeling of lethargy where it was hard to get off the couch or have motivation to do anything. Yeah. All the way to just like feeling like you could take on the world. And my sleep improved too. Yeah. Right. You would think when you're super lethargic that sleep would be like a non-issue, but you just, you know, you're, you're restless in in like a weird kind of way. Right. Where uh, once we kind of corrected the hormonal panel issue, uh, I was sleeping well. Eating was obviously a, an easy thing. Training was just like intensified 10x. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, and the main thing is like, you know, you're able to recover and actually sleep and recover some of that yeah. natural hormone production. You know, so, so yeah, you're, it was awesome the way, you know, you've gone about it, Yeah. you know, cause a lot of people aren't willing to do that. So I, I guess there's a few things that I want to kind of like yeah. pick your brain on out of that. Uh, I, I guess first and foremost, like let's talk about HCG because yep. it was very popularized from the research that I did, mm-hmm. uh, with females and they were utilizing it as a dietary supplement in order for them to like eat, consume less calories mm-hmm. and lose a lot of weight. Uh, so I guess like. Anything you know about that whole process and like how it actually led into uh, impacting me in a different way? Or I guess like if you just shine some light on what HCG is. Yeah, just human chorionic gonadotropin. So, eight, and you know, we say HCG for simplicity and it's just, um, believe it or not, we get it from horse's urine, mm-hmm. uh, pregnant horse urine. Yeah. And the HCG naturally comes out of that. Uh, women who are pregnant naturally produce HCG. Mm-hmm. Um and anyways it's involved in the reproductive process so but when you give it to men it actually stimulates the testes to produce more testosterone uh so some men fertility clinics for example use it Mm -hmm. uh this will increase the testosterone i've actually had some clients who used it um and yeah they got pregnant i mean after six seven years of trying yeah so it's it's pretty cool to see that Yeah, yeah and then but but you know i think it's biggest use you know, is is just that non-testosterone hormone optimization. Mm-hmm. So I think it's useful to you know in, in cycles to to achieve that. Um, and I would say, you know, the unfortunately they just took it off the market for compounding pharmacies. Mm-hmm. 
So it's almost impossible to get. They're going to replace it with something called gonadarelin, which I don't, I'm, I don't know much about. I'm kind of looking into it. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if it's, you know, big pharma reasons or mm -hmm. what. It's still available commercially, mm -hmm. but it's harder to get. Sure. Uh, so anyway, it's kind of, you know, the landscape's kind of changing, um, you know, with the FDA and yeah. how, they, how they regulate things. And like wow. when it comes to the supplementation, obviously I wanted to do something that was non synthetic as much as possible. Yeah. So like, where does where does something like this fall on the natural versus synthetic? Uh, I know I also take a, a natural thyroid pill, mm -hmm. not even because I had a big thyroid issue; it was right. just like semi sluggish. Yeah. Uh, where where does all that stuff fit in the spectrum versus, uh, you know, something like straight synthetic like steroids or, uh, you know, yeah, synthetic test. Yeah, it's definitely different than, you know, something like, you know, that's made synthetically like, you know, testosterone or, 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 or you know, some estrogens, things like that. Um, HCG is more of a natural compound, although it can be, com it can be manufactured synthetically. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, it just depends on from, from where you get it. I think most of it's, you know, kind of like synthetically manufactured. Yeah. To, if I'm not mistaken, anyway, I'd have to kind of go look at the process. Mm -hmm. uh, the thyroid—that's the you know, ones I always give to people—are definitely from natural sources, uh, like thyroid armor, that kind of thing. It's just uh, desiccated um, pig thyroid. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's uh, there's actually been big studies showing that's a synthetic thyroid uh, hormone is less effective than the the natural stuff you can get you know and then and that would be people who are like have hypo or hypothyroidism yeah yeah and then you know for, for hashimoto's which is a thyroid disorder you know hypothyroidism you know these kinds of things it, a lot of that depends on your metabolic health as well and i see a lot of that stuff just go away after people get better yeah you yeah. know so that makes sense Anyway, the, uh, you know, just to give you an idea, Hillary Clinton apparently chose, you know, as an example of a thyroid hormone person, she, she does better apparently on the, um, natural thyroid okay. versus synthetic. Sure. So there's, you know, there's definitely some controversy out there and, you know, the, uh, but that's, that's the one I go with. Where does HGH fall, uh, in this whole that's conversation? That's recombinant. That's synthetic. It's recombinant. Um, and I don't, I don't prescribe, uh, HGH. Um, I'll give a peptide that stimulates your own natural, mm -hmm. um, part of it, you know, the production of, of growth hormone. Yeah. Um, the studies are mixed, you know, the pharmaceutical companies will convince you, you know, that giving growth hormone is okay. Um, you know, and, and it's hard to say there's not a lot of great long-term studies on it. So I just played you know, a little safer Yeah. as far as if I ever prescribe that stuff. Um, and not to say it doesn't have its uses, you know? Sure. Um, yeah, you know, I have a friend who, uh, he, he was, his growth was stunted as yeah, a child. Exactly. So he was like, on it from like age 11 to like 16. And exactly. That's where all the long-term studies come from. They mm -hmm. study these kids who've had it for 10 to 20 years. Yeah. And most of them do fine. They yeah, don't yeah. have cancers. They right. don't, you know, most of the safety profiles come from those kind of studies. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at it from that standpoint, it's pretty safe medication, you know. Uh, you know, where the peptides go at it from another direction um, and they, you know, and they stimulate it from your, your body's own natural production is it's called a secretagogue mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's a compound that goes to your pituitary that causes your you know the release of growth hormone versus giving it direct to you right so that's the difference but we should be very clear like neither of these are in the same camp as like anabolic steroids correct despite yeah. like because well, i i think a lot of buzz was created from the early to mid 2000s well, of baseball the poison is in the dose okay anything used in the right dose mm -hmm. you know is is going to be physiologic sure you know and you start giving you know I, i've never dealt with bodybuilders or all but i know the doses they take yeah and, and i mean that's where the bad stuff happens yeah, you know? yeah if you just it, if you just keep things within what they naturally should be usually fine right you know and that's anybody looking for optimization should be shooting for that 
you know, when we think about, you know, long term, you know, how are you going to be from 20 years from now? Yeah. You know, you know, a lot of 30, 30 year olds come and oh, I want to build muscle now. I, I just want to be this an now. Anomaly. I want to be an anomaly. Yeah. It's like, and then I see these other clinics just putting them on these monster doses of everything. And yeah, and they're, they're that way for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then you see them like five, 10 years later. And I mean, they're wrecked. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're doing them, they're getting a lot of disservice. So I think by, you know, you know, covering all the, the spokes of the wheel, you know, the diet, the metabolic health, the lifestyle, the mm -hmm. getting sunlight, the, you know, sleep recovery, you know, making everything as physiologic as possible. That's what's going to give you, that's what's going to give you the best result in 20 years. Yeah. I, to me, it seems like whenever you're talking about doing some sort of hormonal supplementation or anything of that effect, you want to mimic what your body's optimal uh, production would have been right. if it didn't falter. And everybody's body falters somewhere along the line, right? Yeah. We age. So it's like, it's trying to figure out ways to extend the body's ability to you know, regress that aging process as much yes. as possible and maintain these levels. So uh, to me, it's like, this is a way forward. Like biohacking to me, like, it's a no-brainer, especially if you are lucky enough to be able to afford such things or such luxuries. Um, but even just from a injury health standpoint, it's so much more efficient, in my experience anyway, than going to a regular MD, getting a pain pill, getting told to rest it. You know, I had a friend who uh, we play a lot of pickleball mm. and his knee had swollen up. And he's just like, uh, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm, I'm freaked out. I go, well, you know, structurally, you're fine. You definitely, yeah. you didn't tear anything, like, unless you heard a pop or like, is there a lot of pain? He's just like, no, no, I'm just worried about the inflammation. And it's like, okay, well, you don't eat great, first of all. Second of all, like, yeah, you're, you know, you're, you could use, you could stand to lose a few pounds. So you're putting a lot of stress on your knees. It's high impact, stuff like that. I was like, what did the doctor tell you? He's like, oh, just like take a bunch of ibuprofen and rest it. Wow. And I'm yes. just like, you may as well just play. Yeah. Right. Cause like nothing bad is going to happen. Like the inflammation is going to come out from you having a lifestyle change and from you getting to a point where like you can handle this impact a little bit better. Sure. The rest, you know, the swelling will go down eventually and you're just going to repeat this process and it's going to kick back in. Well, that's so you, you got to ask, why did your friend's knee do that? Why, why, why was that twist enough mm -hmm. for him to disrupt the tissue with within the knee as to produce that much inflammation right you know you gotta you gotta go to the the root of the problem mm -hmm. and he's probably you know metabolically unhealthy in a chronic inflammatory state you know that state causes your cartilage and tissues and all that kind of stuff to be you know in a more vulnerable weak state right and, and i mean that's the same thing i ask like when people break their acls mm -hmm. i mean i mean unless it's from enough trauma um that it really broke but more often i hear ah i just stepped on a curb knee twisted heard a pop yeah. and boom it's broke and yeah I, and i mean y your body should be stronger than that yeah, yeah i mean mine was like a yeah. train wreck collision yeah which yeah. i knew as soon as i made contact with the guy i was like i tore my acl yeah just because of the way it happened i was outstretched and he just like clipped me yeah. from the side it's just like yeah. There's only one way the knee can go, and it's just going to be this shredding yeah, yeah, motion. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the latest thing that I came to you with was I had a slight bulge in one of my discs. Ah, and yes. it was bad for like the better part of a year. I think it was like month eight before I like finally broke down. and was just like, look, it's been quarantine. I haven't touched a weight in three months. I've been doing nothing but yoga, and this just isn't getting better. Uh, so we went and got an MRI, and uh, you know, basically it showed a slight bulge, which is standard for an athlete no big yep. deal uh shouldn't be bothering me as much as it was yep and uh you know you kind of put me on a regimen of peptides yep. i know you mentioned this term a lot prior uh could you maybe like explain a little bit deeper um what each individual peptide or, or i guess like what the peptides are that sure uh were helpful to me and like how they're they're different from one another first let's go back you know you by by us having the relationship that we do, I was able to get you in for an MRI. I mean, yeah, almost immediately. Yeah, yeah, that was you know, versus amazing. Imagine, Especially, I don't have insurance, so it's just exactly. like this is a cash right. And and I got it for you know a pretty reasonable price. But I mean, imagine having to go through the insurance process, see you know one, two, three sets of doctors, mm -hmm. and then doing you know three months has passed already sometimes, right. unless it's like a, a medical emergency. Yeah, you know, so you were able to get on the issue 
you know, months before standard of care would have ever let you do that. I walked out with my images. That's never right. happened before. Right. So, you know, you go to this place, you get the MRI, you know, I prescribe it, you get, uh, you know, you walk out with the images. We know, you know, they, they have the radiologist, you know, read it pretty quick, you know, and then, and if I need to put it to some other surgeons, I have a, you know, I have contacts that I'll put it yeah. out to. Um, and then, yeah. And then from, from there, it didn't show, you know, like anything earth shattering, um, you know, that it, it, it did show some bulges, I believe in, you know, L5 S1, which we see a lot, mm -hmm. actually 50% of MRIs show that. Um, and then we put you on some peptides, I think, thymosin alpha yep. for the immune and thymosin beta, which has some, has properties of cartilage healing, uh, even some reparative, um, effects on the heart. Mm -hmm. uh, but basically it's the, the, the peptide that's from the thymus gland, um, mimicking that, you know, that action, uh, of healing and then the growth hormones stimulator i think uh, ipamorlin or simorlin i can't remember Ipamorlin. which one yeah ipamorlin yeah. and and there's an argument to which one's better or not i don't um anyway yeah we just did that regimen you know plus um you know the bone broth the cartilages and you know there's yeah. a thing in chinese medicine that eat eat the eat the organ that ails you mm. And I, I, it's always, there's something to it. I have to admit. I'm know? not really into any spine. Yeah. But. <laughs> well, but I mean, so you eat like a uh, oxtail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the cartilage from oxtail mm -hmm. and it has like the bone marrow in it and, you know, whatever. Some spine, I've been having bone broth uh, religiously every single day for probably the last three years. Yeah. And I definitely noticed, you know, it, the thing is, going back to the diet spectrum or whatever, uh, we kind of said like they're all elimination diets but regardless of like what you're cycling through what you're training for what yeah. diet fits you best it's all just a, a like realignment of macros yeah. right so it's like one is going to be high fat low carb one is going to be high carbs low fat one is going to be high protein uh, moderate whatever at the end of the day though the micronutrients are consistent throughout yeah so whether you're vegan carnivorous yeah. whole foods whatever the case may be like focusing on gut binome seems to be like or or gut bacteria whatever gut health uh seems to be like a critical thing that a lot of people are overlooking and it's way easier than i would have ever guessed well yeah i mean you get you know it's hard to you know people say you need the fiber from plants well you get fiber from cartilage as well i mean mm -hmm. the the bone cartilage and fascia also act as a fiber mm -hmm. you know and not a lot of people are aware of that you yeah. know they think oh the only fiber you get you know is from that um you know i've been you know, the, uh, you know, whether you agree with them or not, there's this MD called Paul Saladino and he's pretty on it as far as, um, what all of this stuff means, you know, you can, there's, you know, there's some things I don't agree with. Um, but you know, he makes a lot of good points for people wondering about, you know, the, you know, this microbiome and, you know, doing it, you know, with less plants, more plants, more meat, less meat, all those kinds of things. And yeah, at the end of the day, man, you just got to find out what works for you and, yeah. and then, you know, and stick with it like you have. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, whether it's psychosomatic or not, yeah. uh, I haven't had a single trigger of pain since I started the peptide regiment. Yep. Uh, you know, I've been training again. Uh, that's obviously helped like getting back yeah. into functional movement, it's getting uh, you moving again. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. 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 It, it was like this weird vicious cycle, right? Where it was like, yeah. I was trying to train out the pain and I couldn't because the pain was resistant yep. to the training. So then I took time off and now I couldn't train again because the pain was still looming. Ugh. So it was like the pain alleviated, the training rebegan, whether the training is what's keeping me healthy now or the. And the I think I showed you some back exercises as well. I have this uh, Navy SEAL um, candidate that I've, that I've been helping and he had, he had um, an MRI findings that the neurosurgeon wanted to operate on. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. They were saying, you know, please book a date kind mm -hmm. of thing. And then we'll wait. Okay. So there's this, um, there's this uh, Canadian kinesiologist, uh, Stuart McGill. Um, if I, I recall, I think I told you to get his you book. You told me and my friend who's a PT also gave me the yeah. McGill training yeah. exercises. So that guy is you know he's he, he's been the best resource i can you know I, i've ever run into you know he helped tiger woods with his back 
you know, multiple people. And he's not the only guy. It's just sure. that following that kind of regimen and 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 following it to the T, I think, is what got you results and it got my got my uh the Navy SEAL guy results. And and I mean that guy I'm speaking of went from debilitating back pain to he's going to be going into buds um this year. Wow. And, and For I people mean, don't understand too, like yeah. buds is hell. Yeah. Uh anybody who's familiar with like Jocko Willick or or David Goggins, like these guys talk about Right. You know, just weeks of soaking wet, you know, 10 mile hikes with a boat over your head and yep. it's crazy stuff. And you can't do that stuff with an injury. Yeah. And he, he is, per, he, he's status quo, no back pain whatsoever. So it's a beautiful example of, you know, of what you can do with just good rehab, a good regimen, you know, and, and working with, you know, good physical therapists mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So. Anyway, that's yeah. You had a great result too. I have I, to say. Yeah, I mean, I, so. I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a special case because, like, you know, I don't have the traditional nine to five career where at yeah. 38 I'm just like bogged down by, uh, and I hate to frame it that way and make it sound like as if the traditional path is is like not a good one, but you know, my responsibility is to myself first and foremost, right? Yeah. So, I, I feel like you know, for a lot of people, 38 starts to feel a little bit over the hill. You know, yeah, you're, yeah. you're kind of like leaning into. Uh, retirement's not that far along. I'm just going to raise my kids, make sure they have security, yada, yada, yada. Where it's like, for me, I think the opposite. It's like, I'm envisioning being like in my sixties and just as active as I am today. And it's like, Absolutely. if I'm running into these hiccups now and don't get ahead of them, it, it's, it's going to be unbearable. You know, I, the last thing I want to do is live my last 20 years immobile. Well, it's, you're a great example of somebody who doesn't live in the system. I mean, think about somebody who, you know, if you had back pain and you're I don't know, a nurse or some other, you know, worker in a corporation, yeah. you're going to be applying for time off. Yep. You're going to be applying for disability. And, and most people who get disability for back pain, I think there's a, some, you know, statistics out there that 50% or even more never go back to work. Of course, of course, because yeah. the, the corrective action is, have you seen a chiropractor yet? Yeah. So you go to a chiropractor. I went to a chiropractor for two and a half months. It didn't feel any better, not one ounce better. I just felt like it was yep. maybe becoming more of a hip issue than a back one. Right. And then it's like, okay, we'll rest it. It's like, okay, now I'm laying around being lethargic and yeah, uh, yeah. sedentary. That's not helping either. And I'm losing muscle mass on the rest of my body. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. well, go to a PT. It's like, you know, the PT runs you through a handful of corrective actions, but it's so It's so all about the team around you. Yeah. Every every successful person has an awesome team around, you know. Yeah. And, and I mean, I you know, I'm there to kind of like, you know, make sure you have the right resources, you're looking at the right resources, you know, we're doing the right things medically. Um you, you know, and then yeah, and, and then after that, you put good people around you, you'll have good results. Yeah. It's just it it it's the secret to almost anything. And, and the truth of the matter is is uh I think people think price is a big barrier. Yeah. But it's not. It's it's the conventional path that is kind of the big barrier. Yeah. It's still expensive as fuck to go down the path of, <laughs> yeah. let me see this specialist, this specialist, right, this specialist, right? right? Yeah. Those copays add up. Like you end up getting a surgery. You don't. My sister, like, she can't even like stand on her feet for more than a couple hours because when she was 21, she got a spinal fusion. Oh my God. And it's like she's just screwed up for life. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure of it that if she had the same condition today at 21 years old, nobody would cut or at least nobody with a conscience. Wow. You know what I mean? So uh, it's tough. It's tough whenever you just like go down the beaten path and just trust the people that. Well, and as an anesthesiologist, I get to see all these people being cut on mm -hmm. and I actually, I, I hear about the results. Yeah. And I mean, and it's true what they say about, about 50 to 60% get no relief after right. a surgery. Some, yeah. you know, some do. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, you know, but yeah, that's the truth of it. Yeah, I, I, I guess I just can't express it enough. It's like uh, lean on experts. No yeah. matter what it is that you're looking to pursue, there's yeah. always going to be somebody who cut a path before you that's a little bit better at it. Right. And it, it's not always this big barrier to cost. You know, it's like, it, so, you know, Christian works with you as well. Yes. Uh, and he made this big bet with me that he lost. <laughs> uh where he had to lose half his body fat in a year and that's a that's a tall order yeah he was trying hard yeah uh it's a tall order but he was also almost 40 percent. yeah so he really just needed to get to a healthy body fat percentage and i didn't think he was that big of an underdog to do so um 
what for for what it's worth like somebody who's like 40 percent body fat in a year's time like what do you think the probability of them being able to achieve 20 percent is Oof. like one in five one in not to 10. say it's not it, it, it's it's possible but mm-hmm. it's done in a like a realistic healthy manner yeah no it's not possible really no wow i i would think that like it's not possible surrounding yourself with the right resources i would think in, in a one year time, that's close uh, and so i mean it th- this whole thing takes some uh, i and, and it's individual in christian's case for me nah that I mean, I, I know what he, I know where he came from, mm-hmm. you know, what his habits were, all that kind of thing, you know, his yeah. medical history, family history, you know, and putting all those things together. Mm-hmm. That's a three year project for me to get him to where he's like 15, 20, 15, 18 percent body, yeah. body fat, you know, where it's ideal. OK, that, that's just me. You know, now there's others, you know, who might take a year. Yeah. But, you know, knowing what I know. You know about Christian, I would say eh, a little longer. Yeah, the building the muscle is obviously a huge, huge yeah. challenge. But that that was what I was, I was, I, you know, I laid him a big price, but I was also in his ear the whole time, where it's just like, That's let awesome. me surround you with yeah, the right yeah. experts. Like, let me surround you with the proper trainers yeah, and yeah. the nutritionists. And he kind of wanted to forego and like go his own way, you know, figure it out on his own. But like, I just can't explain enough. Where it's like, I've done all the research I exhaustively can. Yeah, I still have a trainer. I still have, uh, you know, you as an optimist yep. or a, uh, an optimizationist. Um, you know, I, I have close friends that know as much or more about diet than I do. I, I just always have like yeah. people around me. And the thing is, is, like once you start to go into that world of like seeking help, you'll start to surround yourself with people that like you don't even necessarily have to pay because you'll just talk to people who point you in the direction of the right resources. Yep. And now you can kind of expand your own knowledge base. And things of that nature. Um, I, I yeah, I can't explain like how critical it is to be able to do that in order to achieve a goal. And you know, I still want him to do it. I, I actually want to make a bet against him where I lose half my body fat in a year. Mm. I think it's harder for me because I'm probably like eighteen percent ish, seventeen, eighteen percent. A little less, but yeah. Yeah. Probably like I'd say you're probably like 14, 15, maybe 16. Okay. Well, I definitely couldn't lose half if that's the case. Yeah. But I think like me getting sub 10 is probably as big of a hill to climb Uh at 38 as it would be for him to get to like 20. Yeah. Yeah. The only way you can get, I mean, you got to basically do, you know, run, you got to be an extreme endurance athlete. Yeah. You know, day in, day out. And that's all you can do, you Mm -hmm. know, to get, or bodybuilders do it. You know I mean? But that's just, that's all extreme stuff, you know? Yeah. For if, if you're going to be natural about it, you know, and have good body function, m- metabolic health, like we keep talking about, you know, most people are 12, 10%. Yeah. Which I think is, is the yeah. ideal goal to shoot for yeah. regardless of body type. But I do think that there are those outlier cases where it's like, they just live at 10 to 12, right? Like naturally. And then like when they work really hard, they can get to like that six, seven, eight and just like carry themselves. There. Yeah. That's me. I can, yeah. I can do that any day of the week. It's yeah, yeah. And harder as I get older. But sure. You know, but yeah, like, you know, for me personally, like I, I want to continue to take on new challenges and things of that nature. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm going to try to, to stoke the, the fires in him a little bit. <laughs> it was frustrating because he was doing really great. Like he was diligent, yeah. very, very diligent about showing up, which is half the battle. Yep. But it's difficult when you show up every day and, you know, you walk into a gym and you're just overwhelmed. Right. And it's like you have your list of exercises to do, but the best thing you can go off of is like a how-to video because you've never done them before. Yeah. You know? But I mean, we're still talking about Christian. I mean, he's done well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I mean, I, I guess I'm speaking more to the general case at that point. Right, right. Yeah, he is. Man, like if I well. wanted to take up golf tomorrow, yeah, sure, I could go out and hit 18 and probably, you know, shoot 120 right. and it's not going to matter. I'm never, ever, ever going to be good enough or know enough about the game to cut myself down to a par or a scratch golfer. Well, there, and then you get to the 10, you know, you get to this concept of 10,000 hours mm. to be, you know, there's, it, there's a, books on this, you know, and it's, you know, we go through, you know, 15,000 hours of medical training, Yeah, you know, I mean, so to be good at something, I'm, you, you basically got to put 10,000 hours into it, you know, in your lifetime. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, for you to be a professional golfer, could you do 10,000 hours, you know, from your age to now? Eh, it's not theoretically impossible, but 
you know, given your current situation and your, you know, your wants and needs. Sure. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And obviously there's a spectrum to that. It's like, you know, some people are just going to be naturals. Other yeah. people have a low ceiling right. and there's nothing they can do to fight through that. I, I guess the the overall point I'm trying to make is like mechanically, I'll never know what I don't know. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing with training. It's kind of the same thing with diet. It's like, you just don't know what you don't know. And there are people like you who have 15,000 hours just in the study. And then there's another X amount of thousands of hours in the practice. Yeah. yeah. And it's like when you could just like pay for that resource. Yeah, I just wrote a book on marathon training called The Science of the Marathon and the Art of Variable Pace Training and with this French physiologist named Veronique Balatin. I mean, we're going over, you know, the two-hour marathon, mm -hmm. you know, for what Keep Chauget had to do to, I mean, that guy was run 10,000 hours of his life, I mean, all day long. Yeah. You know, and that's for him to be able to, I mean, he's booking four 30 miles yeah, yeah. for a all throughout the marathon. Right, right. It's you know, insane. It's it's yeah. Check out the. I'll, I'll give you a copy of the book, but it's yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some people are just freaks too. Yeah. You know, some people yeah. are predisposed to just be very good at yep. certain activities, and uh, it's nice whenever they kind of get a spotlight shined on them because they figured it out. It's what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, so I guess like let's leave on this kind of parting thought. Uh, as far as like what actionable things people can do at home when it comes to taking steps towards optimization without actually just like seeking out a professional or whatever the case may be. Like what are, what are a handful of things that they can do as far as like metabolic health goes, uh, maybe physical fitness, uh, things of that nature, you know, just kind of jumpstart the process. Educate yourself, you know, wh whatever direction you're going to go, uh, you know, look at what you're doing, what's in your house. I mean, and then also get your family on board. If your family's not on board, or anybody, whoever you live with isn't on board, it's going to be twice as hard mm -hmm. to do anything. Yeah. So look at who's around you. You know, again, it's surrounding yourself. Uh, look at what's you're living around, you know, things in the cupboard and things, you know, you shouldn't, you know, that are in boxes and just get rid of it and start buying whole natural food uh i think it's easiest for most people just to start eating you know basically you know meat vegetables and water often that's the easiest thing yeah um you know it can be done other ways sure um but to get yourself metabolically healthy you need to start off like that so you know you at least start off like that for you know i don't know two to three months and then see where it leads you mm -hmm. get a set of lab get a set of lab results you know checking your metabolic factors which not every doctor is going to do, but you know, you, you can find on, you can find online lab tests, that kind of thing, like ownyourlabs.com or. Yeah. I like think that. that step is so critical because yeah. you just don't know what you don't know until you take a look. Until you look under the hood. Yeah. Get help, educate yourself, watch videos, read books, uh, read, you know, uh, Nina Chaikolt's book, you know, the big fat surprise, you know, read Mark, Hyman's book or you know all these guys who've written different versions of different things mm -hmm. and just see what fits for you yep you know and at the end you'll you'll come across that balance for you and yeah you know and and stick with it and do your homework but but be consistent yeah it doesn't work five days a week yeah. it has to be it has to be seven days a week all the time yeah uh from a personal standpoint I think the like what I would say is be incredibly proactive yeah. even if you think you're following some misinformation there's so much information to gather both good and bad and you know most of it all lies in between yeah uh you know don't be afraid to pursue something practice what you're you're studying up on just be humble about it yeah. I, I think like one of the biggest things that people get tripped up on is the arrogance that they hold yeah. whenever they come across a new mantra or, right. or lifestyle right so it's like yeah. oh this guy says i need to eat six meals a day I'm... it's like all right whatever like I think eating one meal a day is more efficient. You want to eat six meals a day. We don't have enough data to know which one's more efficient. We don't know which one's going to better your body type. Right. Just test. Test everything. But be willing to shift if you get you know, some, some sort of feedback that says like, hey, this isn't working for me. Absolutely. It's, it's be everybody's individual for me. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't you know, conspire that anybody's you know, going to 100% work on you know, just one, one, one type of approach. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's just, it's just not, it's just not reality, you know? Yeah. I, I think the trouble so. is we all have a difficult time breaching these conversations, right? If somebody yeah, proactively yeah. wants to choose veganism, 
then there's going to be a big pro or, or anti-vegan crowd. Yeah, it's yeah. going to tell them why they're wrong yeah. for doing what they're doing, and now they just get defensive. You know, and there's a way to do it. I mean, scientifically, you yeah. got to be a chemist, but you you can do it just eating vegan if you really know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, to a point. I'm not, you know, but anyway, point is, is it can all be done. There's so many different ways to do it, and that's that's what i would leave it at yeah i agree uh so where can everybody find you um if if they're interested uh, i got docedwards.com okay docedwards.com uh just uh you can find me at uh, road bike action magazine i write for them um and yeah just on my website and at uh at doc edwards five on uh instagram and twitter perfect and you know that's it you know i just i do social media when i can and i'm not an expert at it but sure. you know i just have fun with it so. yeah yeah I'll, I'll put all that stuff in the yeah. show notes too so okay. i'll link your site uh i'll link your social media hopefully you pick up some new followers and- cool yeah i just want to give a shout out to uh one of my uh athletes that i help um uh, zach osborne for winning the uh, 450 ama motocross championship so i've been working with him for years oh that's awesome he's uh yeah, good so nice cool well, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Hopefully everybody enjoyed yeah. uh, uh, an outside perspective from just constant poker talk. Oh, I, just, I hope somebody gets something out of this. And, yeah. And it's gracious. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right. All right, guys, that's going to be a wrap for this one-on-one interview with Dr. Jonathan Edwards. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to be doing more of these in the future anytime we have the opportunity to. So we'll see you next time.